Welcome to this new episode of Idea Loading. And today I have a very special guest, Julian von Velzen. And Julian is a physicist. He should have been a, phys a physics <laughs> professor, um, didn't, didn't do it, went into consulting. And now he's uh, leading us in our new quantum adventures. Uh, he's, uh, he's the head of the quantum lab. He's the CTIO for quantum. So welcome, Julian. Thank you for, for joining me at this, uh, in this amazing episode. I have a lot of questions, dude. I really <laughs> have a lot of questions because yeah. I think I understand, but I have no idea. Thanks, uh, thanks, Alex. And 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 to uh, to start, I'm very happy that I'm not a professor. I definitely do not have the patience <laughs> to uh, to do research for my life. I'm much better off at a commercial company. Actually, actually trying to build something. Yeah, okay, I, I definitely understand. Yeah, I, yeah. I, had, I had this morning. I had a nice podcast also with um, with. Um, Marij Marcus, and he said, um, you know, there are so many people thinking, so little people actually building things. So maybe we need more people to build stuff instead of, you know, just thinking about it. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> and, and still that that is, uh, you know, number one uh, uh, complaint about quantum technology. You know, all that we do is still, uh, you know, research and it's still, uh, you know, preparing our customers and preparing ourselves. Early, you know, early. To start with, quantum technology is not really here yet. So, I mean, uh, I, I'm not research and I'm not a professor, but still, it's uh, it's kind of uh, research minded. Research minded. Okay, so let let me kick let me kick it off with my first like. I, I was, uh, of course, I was preparing and reading up, you know, uh, to not sound uh, as as stupid as uh, as I could. Um, so. I found this very nice article of this um, uh, Qera, right? I don't know if you heard about them, new startup, Harvard, yeah. MIT combined. And the, the cool thing is that they released, and I will, I will read this, this is like uh, on code, like, at long last, physicists from Harvard and MIT have found a killer application for quantum computing, a Mario Bros GIF made from <laughs> qubits. The qubits, quantum bits, can also be arranged in Space Invaders design or Tetris or any other shape. <laughs> Your ge genom uh, geometrical wish is in qubits command. So this, this is funny, right? It, it also shows a bit, and I thought it was a representation of, um, you know, where are we? Like the question behind this uh, very nice introduction, is like, where are we in quantum computing? This is done yeah. by a 250, uh, uh, what is it, 256 bit uh, quantum computer. Um, and it's just a GIF, right? It's showcasing that things are possible. And I, I would really, really love to understand from, from your perspective, where do we stand? Where, yeah. where are we? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like um, when when with AI, like one of the first uh, uh, use cases or first things we learned about was uh, uh, AlphaGo and you know all these amazing AIs that learn to play some games, right? And yeah. this is is in many ways not not different from quantum technology. You know, you, you just want to prove uh, its value without you know necessarily focusing on uh, a real commercial value. You just want to show you know this is cool. It's something new. Uh, but it's a little bit tricky because uh, quantum computers are very different than classical computers. So it's really hard, you know, there's not such a thing as a classical hello world application. Um, and then uh, it doesn't, you know, directly map to 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 maybe AI. So there have been, uh, there have been some of the, uh, so this is maybe, you know, Maria Bros is maybe one of the examples. Another example is um, really to show the power of quantum technologies in, in an experiment is something that uh, Google and some Chinese teams and, and others have done, uh, which they called uh, an experiment called quantum uh, supremacy. Uh, and basically the idea here was to, to really do something with a quantum computer that was optimized in such a way that it was uh, outperforming classical computers. 
Uh, it was for something completely uh, arbitrary, complete random noise generation, um, but it did it very efficiently. Um, and it showed that it was, uh, you know, thousands of times faster than any classical computer could have ever done only like on the biggest uh, supercomputers possible. Right. So it, it makes you think like, you know, quantum computers are almost here. It's uh, it's already thousands of times faster. Yeah. The catch is though, you know, it's for a bullshit problem. It's just for arbitrary noise uh, generation. Yeah. So the question is, you know, when, where are we? Yeah, I mean, it, the quantum computer exists in very small form. They don't do anything useful. And it's really a quest at this point to find something useful for them. Yeah, and it, it does, you mentioned that example. I've, I've read that example indeed, and I, I, I'm not going to even pretend I fully understood it because I tried to read the Nature paper that they published. Uh, I got halfway and, and <laughs> stopped. Right, that that was yeah. more or less. But the the interesting the interesting topic I had was that they did it with a with a smaller number of qubits than where, where we sit. Right, so does does like the Moore's law like apply to also the qubits? Um, uh, exploration right or expansion and yeah. i've read a other different article it w was uh, around goldman sachs they said you know we need about a thousand cubics to run um uh, like the calculation around uh derivative models right so to actually calculate the pricing models of um uh, of these uh of these complex pricing uh derivatives right so like we are now at two, I, I just mentioned this example, 256, right? Where, where the guys did from uh, from QERA. Like, are we going to be next year in a thousand? And can we then really do something? Or is it is it not the number of qubits that we need to be yeah. looking at? What should be looking at of the, let's say, the, the measure that we actually can say, okay, yeah, now we can actually do something with, with quantum. Yeah. So, so first, there are a couple of important metrics to take into account. Uh, qubits, number of qubits is one. Uh, so the number of qubits is really, you know, how big of a problems you can load into your, to your computer. It's basically the, the the memory and the size of the problem. Um, so we are now with uh, like the newest IBM computer uh, from last week or two weeks ago as 127 uh, qubits. Um, there are some other systems like the ones you mentioned from, from QERA that are more specialized. And I think there were 200 qubits or so. Uh, there are some other systems here and there, so more or less like we're in the order of a few, few hundred. Um, it's the easiest uh, metric to think about, but it's definitely not the only one. Um, equally important or more important is, the, is the, the, the depth or the quality of your qubits. So how many operations you can do while you can still trust the results without any uh, errors. Um, so there's there's a number of different met metrics here, like how good are your operations? Uh, so you say like, what is the fidelity of your operations? How well is your uh, uh, your operation actually reflected in what happens? Uh, how uh, quickly defaces your your qubit? So how quickly does it lose its information over time? Uh, if you measure it, how good your measurement error? And also all of these different things ac accumulate to how good are your uh, what's the quality of your qubits basically? Um, and for many of these these uh, uh, computation, you would need to do at least, you know, thousands or millions of steps uh, before uh, uh, you can do many of these uh, of these computations. Uh, and we're not nearly there yet. Um, and we're probably never going to be there uh, because um, uh, the 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 quality of your gates and all, and your measurements and all these things will never reach that level. So the thing is, we try to come up with other ways uh, with error correction. 
to still have uh, proper quality qubits uh, that will be able to run for millions of operations. Um, so and we're not nearly there yet. So uh, um, the idea is that you may need the hundreds or even thousands of qubits uh, to have to build one actual logical qubits. Yeah, so thousands physical qubits for one logical qubit. Um, and uh, uh, and so then just, you can... just, you know, like like wait before before you go any further, right? So the difference between uh, logical qubit and 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 physical qubit. Can can you just extract? You know expand a bit on that because yeah. that is an interesting thing right what what does that mean is it like is it like a statistical thing right you have a thousand and i probably if i compute it with a thousand i will get some kind of you know 80 percent correct answer right or am i looking at completely wrong so so the idea is with error correction is that you um that one qubit one noisy qubit is is is, is noisy and is faulty so instead you save the information in redundancy with multiple qubits uh, so instead of uh, a saving in one, you save it in uh, like three, and you ask the majority, "Hey, what's what's the answer?" Yeah. And so the result is that uh, you know, if you have a bunch of them, uh, the result is that uh, that the majority hopefully is right. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so the more qubits you do this, the the, the more secure you you might be. Okay. Um, so, but then. So, but in in many of the protocols that are being developed for this error correction, you you need thousands of uh, noisy like physical qubits to to produce one qubit that is without errors. Okay, cool. Okay, that is interesting. That is interesting. I didn't know that, right? So it's I'm learning. This is as I said, like this is a purely selfish podcast, also to <laughs> to, to get me up to new knowledge, and and so. There is like we had like a pre-chat right about this um, the different areas that you're looking at right you have like sensing you have computing you have security right there is multiple areas where where you guys think that quantum could actually benefit like I think the computing is the most known right because yeah. we're as you said we're doing these experiments around uh, uh, bullshit problems which we are trying to compute uh, but what about the other areas right I, I know security is also already touched upon but the, the sensing yeah. stuff is interesting also for me yeah so so it, it may sound as completely different topics right like computers and sensors and then communication you know completely different things but in in the way these things are built in the core elements uh, so think about like the the refrigerator, the, the dilution refrigerator, or the uh, single photon detector sources, or uh, you know all the all the supporting and enabling technology that is the building block for these elements. Uh, they are more or less the same, or for a large part the same uh, uh, for both sensors, uh, communication infrastructure, and uh, computing. Um, and because there is such a uh, yeah, so much innovation in these in these elements, like these thinking of photon detectors or these cryogenetics, and all these things have developed amazingly over the past 30 years. Uh, that is really bringing us to a inflection point where we can start to build technology from it. Um, and quantum computing is is one of them, uh, but uh, equally uh, promising are, are quantum sensors and uh, quantum communication or quantum networking infrastructure. So maybe. Uh, a way to think about these uh, um, uh, quantum sensors, for example, is is that they're extremely precise sensors. Um, so why would you use a quantum sensor? Like when when should I have a quantum sensor instead of like a regular sensor that would I have? Like yeah, so maybe give an example, like atomic clocks, for example, right? Like your your wristwatch is uh, is you know good enough for daily purposes, 
<laughs> nice one. Um, but uh, uh, if you want to have a GPS uh, uh, location, you need to very carefully triangulate your location based on the time test. And it's always wrong. This is, by the way, a Garmin, and it's most of the time it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Strava says no every time I run, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, actually, well, one of the thing is that these quant these atomic clocks they already proven a lot of value uh, over the past uh, uh, 10 years or 20 years or so, right? Uh, but they're continuously being improved on. So they have moved from big, huge machines to really chip scale atomic clocks. Um, and the idea is that, you know, it's not just that these are getting more sensitive and much more accurate because atomic clocks are, you know, millions and millions of times more accurate than your, your pocket uh, or your wristwatch. Um, but they're also getting cheaper, smaller, uh, more easy to use. Um, and therefore are really becoming a much more important part of our whole uh, sensing infrastructure. And basically we can measure everything that, that happens at the atomic scale. So uh, think about time, but also think about magnetic fields. Uh, so, you know, perhaps uh, detecting metal pipes under the ground or uh, for using mining and detecting new types of uh, materials, uh, maybe in uh, my medical diagnosis and finding uh, you know, blood flow or, um, you know, finding a, a scissor that has been left in someone's body on accidents uh, in, in, during, during surgery. <laughs> like super sensitive stuff that would, that would never be possible with, with current sensors. Okay, that's cool. And, and when, you, when you talk about um, quantum networks and, and what, what does that relate to? Is, is that, do I think like that's the next level of uh, like 6G or uh, is that yeah. sixth generation of networks will be quantum or no? Well, not, not, not really, but uh, <laughs> um, so I think like so the first thing is that um, that quantum computers are, are good at many things, but one thing that they're good at is to find patterns in large numbers, uh, large sequences of numbers. Uh, and it happens that that is also the core of uh, of our basic uh, or our current cryptography. So basically, everything what we do everywhere we use uh, encryption. Um, you know the way we communicate now, the 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 way you communicate with your bank, you store your data, etc. Um, and many of these uh, uh, almost well very critical data uh, encryption will be broken uh, with quantum computing. Um, and so the idea is we have to move that to newer types of uh, encryption. Uh, the first thing, the first option then is to have like new type of uh, encryption that leverages, you know, newer mathematics, smarter ideas to make it still hopefully secure. Um, but there's also another way to do this, which really uses um, not like better mathematics, but really uses quantum data to uh, uh, to protect your your communications. Um, and that's what this quantum networking is about. So just like we have classical internet where we uh, you know, connect computers uh, with fiber cables together and, uh, you know, send data and, and connect everything and all a bunch of applications. Uh, we'll have a quantum internet where quantum computers are connected to each other and they share quantum data um, and they will have uh, extremely secure com uh, communication networks and they have all, a whole bunch of new applications as well. Okay, that, that is really interesting, right? That is, but if I, if I look at that, that that's like building a fully new infrastructure, or is that is that something which can also be used in the current infrastructures that we have, or is it is it a totally different project? No, no. So just like like we talked about quantum computers that are you know these these qubits are noisy, 
and yeah. they lose their information over time. Uh, the same problem is also is also in these in these quantum networks. Um, so you can't just you know send your quantum data over hundreds of kilometers of fiber uh, because you will lose your signal. Yeah. So it's it requires a lot of new infrastructure uh, that will be uh, quite challenging to make, uh, but it will be necessary to really you know secure our most critical infrastructure. Okay, that that is really cool, right? So that that is like a 50-year project, right? And uh, in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not sure if it's if it will be uh, 50 years. I mean, it's but at least it's it will be a, a huge challenge. Um, and that's also why you see that there's there's a lot of um, uh, interest for on European level as well and national level to spend significantly in this uh, in this area uh, because it's really seen as a uh, you know a, a national security. Uh, issue and uh, you know if we won't want our data to be uh, uh, vulnerable to you know uh, Chinese or other malicious parties, we better uh, start now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then you've you've touched upon it, but there is like this like, quantum supremacy battle going on uh, b between the different countries right, to actually achieve something uh, uh, extraordinary, and is it it's mostly around problems that are aren't really. You know, going to to bring us forward in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I, if I like, I, I read last time. I think I read your post around um, um, quantum and sustainability. Right? There is also this um, this notion that you said, like, will will quantum be used for good? Right? What what can we do? Like, I've seen examples around quantum and sustainability. I've seen examples with uh, medicine uh, and discovery of new drugs and, and, and folding of, um, of uh, how do you call them, the, uh, the, 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 I forgot the name. I forgot the name, but discovering yeah. yeah, the protein folding, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. protein folding stuff, right? And and if, I, if I'm a company, right, I have a couple of these operations that are going on, right? So where should I start? Is, is it a possibility? And you know, now why I ask it, because you, you mentioned IBM uh, delivering like a computer that more people than just IBM can use and other, other big companies are also opening up their computers actually for external use. Um, so yeah, you can buy seconds of uh, quantum computing, but what yeah. should you do, right? Should you, what type of problems, like what do you see in, 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 in the current market happening or the direction of thinking? So I think I heard a couple of different questions here. Yeah, uh, so let me let me try to answer uh, them one by one. So the, the first question is regarding uh, uh, quantum and sustainability, right? So is yeah. is is quantum be used for sustainable use case or something like that? Um, and I think the second question is more like, okay, but what what's next? How do you start or something? Yeah. Um, so first, in in terms of uh, uh, sustainability use cases, I really see quantum technology and quantum computing in particular as a sort of, uh, you know, a sort of a super weapon, right? It's like it's this super powerful tool uh, that will allow us to do, you know, whatever we uh, build it for uh, to do. Um, but, but it is extremely powerful. We can, we can really uh, do things completely unimaginable today. Uh, so, I think it's it it's a huge opportunity for uh, well for us as as from Capgemini but for the for humankind uh, to to rebuild these things for good right and there are so many challenges that uh, uh, that we're having that are uh, increasingly computational right so in within sustainability challenges I think about uh, 
like in the energy transition, uh, um, balancing a, a grid sustainably uh, with all these new renewables, and then um, you know predicting uh, loads, uh, optimizing the network in a careful way. Uh, attaching the right energy sources like uh, 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 solar panels, finding the new materials for those solar panels, uh, maybe also nuclear power. You know, it's a very computationally heavy uh, research uh, uh, area. Um, yeah, on automotive, I, maybe to mention one is I heard this uh, uh, autonomous driving will generate about between 1.5 terabytes to 400 terabytes of data per. Uh, let's say operating day of a car, right? And how do you then make sure that autonomous uh, vehicle that needs to drive by itself on level five actually does that, right? You can't yeah. do that with normal computers because if you extrapolate it, I had this nice conversation with uh, with somebody from Intel, and I asked them like, what if we really connect million of te or ten million cars and can the network actually handle that transition of data? And how much do you move to edge? Do you then get cars into quantum computers or like what's the what's the next step there? Like what's yeah. the yeah? So it becomes completely uh, impossible. Like if we go if we continue the current trend, like the, the the size of these AI models, like like some of the computer vision, but also in for example natural language processing and these NLP uh, yeah uh, uh, models. You know, they use hundreds of millions of parameters, uh, and, and I think they still suck, uh, right? So if they really become much better, and if we, if it's a linear or like an exponential tre uh, trend that they will grow in size, at some point it's just not doable. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, uh, too much data to handle. Um, one note to say here, though, is that quantum computers are not necessarily good at big data problems, right? So one of the key challenges of a quantum algorithm um, is that, uh, so a quantum algorithm is basically three steps. The first step is you have your your, your problem, uh, you load it into your quantum computer, uh, then you do all your quantum circuit uh, magic, uh, and then you measure the result and you and you translate it back to a, a classical uh, solution and, and you do something with it. Um, and the, the one of the bottlenecks is to load all your data in. Um, so that means that big data problems like uh, uh, you know large ETL pipelines or uh, like huge um, uh, like small problems, but then a, a lot of different records that you have to process are not necessarily good applications. Uh, it's a better way to think about uh, the quantum use cases as big computational problems. So um, you know limited number of data, but then a huge uh, combinatorial explosions of possibilities. So, for example, you know, if you try to calculate the route between 10 cities, uh, you have limited number of data. You only have 10 cities, but yeah. you have, you know, millions of different options to go through. Um, or if you have financial uh, risk models, you have uh, only a couple of market models, uh, but you have billions of different of of uh, scenarios that you could uh, could run through. Yeah, because the uh, I think you explained this already to me once, um, but I will still ask it is that a normal computer model does it sequentially and a quantum computer actually does all the million variables at once and gives one answer, right? So it doesn't have to do it sequentially, try new parameters. It can do all the parameters at once, right? Am I, am I explaining that correctly or am I missing here the logic? I, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a good way to think about it. Um, 
it's because not it's exactly right. Exactly how the computing happens, right? I, 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 I've been struggling uh, with this for the last month, I think, right? Trying to understand how you load it and then what it computes and how I translate it back to a normal, let's say, current world model. Yeah. So, so if you, it's, I think it's a, a decent simple, way to right? think about it for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a decent way to think about it, but it's not exactly right. Because the point is that a quantum computer does not do a million threads in parallel or something. It's not a giant parallel processor uh, because it's one quantum computer that does one quantum operation. It's a fundamentally different operation. It's not uh, many classical computers in one or something. Uh, the way it works is that um, it, it it becomes technical quickly though but <laughs> doesn't matter we can we can digress a bit yeah right so so you store your data in quantum bits in qubits uh, and different than classical bits they are in a uh, they can be in a superposition of, of two values at once it's like uh, it's like flipping a coin that's in the air it can be uh, heads or tails or both at the same time um so it's it's uh, uh it's kind of like a uh, like a wave, it can be at multiple fronts at the same time. Now, if you have multiple of these waves, these waves can interfere with each other. If they uh, happen to have, uh, you know, their, their peak at the same point, they have positive interference and then, uh, you know, the result gets bigger. If they have negative interference, they, they cancel each other. Um, now, if you have if you have multiple of these qubits, uh, so you suppose you flip two qubits in the air at once, uh, you get four different uh, uh, states that you work with, right? So Eventually, if the, the coins would land on the table uh, with two qubits, you could have uh, heads, 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 tails, 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 and heads, tails. Um, so this, this size grows exponentially. If you throw uh, three qubits in the air, you already have eight different states, and, and then 16, 32, etc. Um, so first thing is that you have this massive uh, uh, computational space with very limited number of qubits. You have a lot of different states that you get to work with. Yeah, and the second thing is, right? It, it rises exponentially eventually. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So with with only uh, you know 50 qubits, you have more states than are. Um, I think with 270 qubits, you have more states than or more atoms than are in the universe. Okay, that's cool. That is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it grows very quickly. If you have like a, if you double something 30 times, you will you will reach over a two million states or something in that in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it grows really quickly. So and then then this superposition and this this large space in combination with this interference uh, where you uh, um, where these um, uh, where these different qubits are connected with each other and entangled with each other, uh, you get to operate uh, many states at once, uh, and that's where would this this uh, computation power comes from. So it's not really many threads in parallel; it's one quantum system. Uh, with qubits that are connected to each other, entangled with each other, uh, that gives it its performance. Okay, uh, so if I if I um, I'm, I'm going to probably throw a, a very very stupid model, but if I ask like like for instance, I have, I don't know if this actually can be done, but if I ask a quantum computer, uh, like more or less, I show it a picture and say and ask you like, is this a cat? You know, the classical AI uh, type of problem. Uh, is it a cat? Yes or no? Like. What does it do then? Is it like, how do, how would it calculate it, or is it like a totally stupid problem? This this one. Well, uh, eventually you had to pick an algorithm that does something, right? Uh, so uh, I mean, uh, there are, there are a number of different algorithms that are used 
Um, and there's so there's a lot of research also uh, in quantum machine learning, uh, and it's new, but also some research in quantum uh, computer vision or, or quantum convolution neural nets. Um, so basically, the question then is, uh, how do quantum convolution neural nets work? Um, and well, uh, maybe on a little bit higher level, that like the many of the the current um, yeah, so there, in very high over, there are two types of algorithms that are used uh, today for quantum uh, for quantum computers. Yeah, uh, there's one type of algorithm uh, that's more uh, meant for these noisy qubits that are in the near term, and there is another type of uh, class of of algorithms that um, that that uh, that depend on very stable qubits and very precise computations, and that you know require. Uh, error corrected uh, error corrected quantum bits so in the near term if you would solve um, a computer if we want to tackle a computer vision problem like this yeah. uh, you would use uh, uh, um, yeah these these near term solutions um, and the, the these type of algorithms are called um, uh, hybrid algorithms or or variation algorithms and the idea is basically that you uh, replicate your problem in the quantum computer um, so in this case, uh, uh, you you replicate this picture of a cat in your quantum computer by uh, storing the data in in parameters uh, that you encode in your quantum circuit. Mm -hmm. um, um, so instead of like loading it directly, you you parameterize it, um, and then you measure uh, the the um, uh, the expectation value of your quantum circuit. Um, and um, uh, you, you see what, what kind of uh, value comes out of it. And you repeat this process. So it's, it's a very iterative process yeah. uh, where you optimize these parameters uh, such that you will eventually find the right ones where you, um, uh, where you, rep, where you um, have a good picture of your problem. So you know that's the right answer. So then you say like, yes, it's a cat, right? More or less like the question is like, oh, it's a cat. Yeah, it's a cat. You, you, you've now calculated a cat. Well done. <laughs> so, 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 yes. Yeah, so, so this was the high overall explanation of variational algorithms. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's another step to go into uh, uh, how quantum convolution neural nets work, um, and how they parameterize the 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 picture of a cat basically into your quantum circuits. And there are different ways to do that, but it goes more more technical. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we'll leave that one for for the next uh, for the next uh, session in this podcast. Um, well, thank you. This is this is, this is a great explanation, you know. Um, and then the other question I had was, so I'm an organization, I'm a big organization, and where should I start? Can I start? What should I do? Um, where should I invest? Yeah. What's, what's your story and vision and future thinking about this? So the so the point is that. Quantum computers are uh, in development still, so it's not that uh, you know that uh, that they're completely ready and you can do uh, you know production-ready uh, development today. But um, it will be of of an extremely important uh, for uh, many different industries. Uh, so to wait is not an option either because then you miss out. So the question is like, what can you do today? Well, I think that you can already really start looking first of what could be applications. Uh, quantum computers are are not good at everything. They're only good at very specific applications. So it makes sense to explore uh, 
uh, what they're good at and, and what they're not good at. Um, second is that it's it's quite a, uh, yeah, the whole stack of quantum technology is different. So we already discussed like, you know, these low level qubits uh, and how they work. Uh, but based on that, you have different programming language, different applications, different strategies. Um, and you need to think about that as well. You need to think, you know, uh, first, what are different uh, applications? How can I get access to them? How can I uh, uh, start coding in them? Um, with what people, like what skills do I need to, uh, to uh, um, uh, uh, and what people do I need to get started on this? So like all of this level of the stack, you can, uh, you can start preparing. Okay, so like for instance, as I said, we we mentioned like this new drug discovery that could be something, uh, the protein folding stuff. I've I've, I've seen uh, some ideas floating around uh, in in that space. And how do you then, how do you start? Do you think like every company should start building his own quantum computer, or is it like still a highly specialized? Uh, only a couple of firms have it. I, I've seen something where you, where you have to be like at zero Kelvin, right? Quite quite uh. Uh, quite low temperatures, minus two, 200 yeah. something degrees, just to keep it running. Like, is yeah. this like, are we, are we going to have like what Steve Jobs and Microsoft wanted, a home quantum computer at some stage, right? And that, uh, well, so not in the foreseeable future, at least. So uh, never say never. Uh, uh, but at least in the next uh, 30 years, I don't think so. Uh, so these things that will be cloud-based, um, and there will be different providers. Uh, we have partnered with IBM. Uh, so that we have the most advanced, latest, uh, biggest machines uh, that we can also help our clients with, the, you know, the most meaningful experiments. Um, so, so no, yeah, it won't it won't be an option to have one at home. Um, so it's 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 a good time to start thinking about how you know, with whom do I partner to get to make sure I have access. And and you you already touched upon this, right? What's the skill set? Is it completely different than what you currently use in computing? Like you've you've talked about a couple of things, but are these algorithms really different, or is it the programming of the algorithms? And um, so you you still have like statistical skills, but you just need to understand how to program a quantum computer. Yeah. So at the very low level, at really the the qubit level, it's it's really quite physical physics um, and and mathematics. And the higher up the stack, it changes a little bit. Uh, so first, if you really program with quantum gates, and then you know it's it's you have to learn physics and and and, and mathematics. Then a level up higher, you know you can start to to code. Uh, and there are some uh, SDKs like from for for example from IBM, but also uh, Microsoft and, and and many others. Um, and there, it's more as if you are using. Kind of like an API, so you just have to know how these algorithms work. You have to know how these hybrid algorithms work, and what kind of parameters you use, and how, um, what kind of techniques for error mitigation you use, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and if you go up even a level higher, you know it's it it it's could become more abstract. So uh, I think in the end, like if you go really higher, I think that that many people should should start to think about, you know, what does it mean. If I really have um, a exponentially more powerful quantum computer than what I have now, right? It, and how do I? How does that change my applications? You know, what if for drug discovery I can certainly uh, suddenly screen uh, thousands of of molecules instead of uh, having to synthesize them at once? Yeah. Um, and 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 then we need skills and people that 
you know are aware of what quantum computers could do, but obviously they don't have to know uh, all the the physics involved. Right. So more or less the physics part stays the same, right? Because we have currently we are also at the edge of the precipice when when it comes to Moore's law, right? Uh, producing all these transistors on a small chip. I, I don't know how many we are, like 52 billion or something on a. On yeah. A small like something. It, yeah. But it's also a lot of physics in there, and 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 the leakage, uh, current leakage, and those kinds of things. So and then and then the level up comes into a space of saying, okay, you need to really, uh, I always have to think about this, uh, the old punch card, uh, like a very old computer where you have to understand how to punch, uh, how to input the punch card into this uh, this general idea. But you, you already said that, and this is my last question before we close, right? <laughs> yes, we've been going on, but you already said like the application part is, is totally different than we currently think about, right? As an application, what we could actually do with the computers. I think a lot of the questions come from that space. Like, what are what are great applications for a quantum computer, right? I, I don't I don't think it's uh, at least not in my mind. It's not really solidified. Like, okay, what can I use a quantum computer for? Because it's a totally different way of computing, right? In, yeah. in that space. Yeah. So and and that's the quest. And that's the search. Yeah. What everyone is, uh, what everyone is 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 doing, and what is also I would recommend to start as a company. Right. So we're still experimenting with gifs and uh, pictures and <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that is where we are sitting now, right? That like, what can I actually use it for? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I mean, it's not completely blank. I mean, there is a lot of uh, pointers and a lot of uh, arguments in, in, in what areas you can search for uh, a quantum advantage or like an actual use case. Yeah. Um, but until we have made one, uh, you know, it's it's not clear. Yeah. And we're not there yet. No, it's more or less testing, trying, trying, failing, trying again. And uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if I if I want to read up on more stuff, right? I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, like, do you have any let's say let's say tips on on uh, thing things I have to read up on or like things I have to watch or be yeah. book, be blogs, articles, whatever? And not too difficult, right? Always... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely. There, it's it's a it's a super uh, dynamic field where there's a lot. I mean. There's a lot of information available already. Um, there's also a lot of material that that is a little bit superficial, so you have to be aware of a hype and um, and yeah, it's, it's maybe not as good as quality. But there's also a lot of good quality available, both in you know uh, Udemy courses and other stuff, as well as uh, you know libraries of, of a lot of scientific papers, uh, as well as our own material from uh, from Capgemini. Um, yeah, so I can also send you a list of, of some uh, interesting. That, that would be cool. I will include it in the show notes of this podcast so that everybody can actually, you know, uh, try and deep dive this uh, this topic. Uh, no, really, like, um, are there other things that you want to discuss that I haven't touched upon, like before we close it off, or things you want to mention, or tips you have for the next generation coming into the into the work field or whatever? Maybe uh, I think that the, the key point is that. Um, you know, so much is possible. Uh, the, the quantum computers are fundamentally different. So if you're just, you know, curious about all these possibilities and uh, uh, really question, um, you know, the the things that we are doing now with computers, the, the, really the sky is the limit. I really think that the biggest uh, breakthrough or the biggest um, 
promise is still to be discovered, right? Um, and that's also why I really like it. So I would encourage everyone just to, uh, yeah, to, to start experimenting and uh, be curious. So I need I need a couple of seconds of IBM computing just to try out some stakes, right? Uh, Absolutely, but it's it's publicly available, right? So yeah. uh, you have no excuses anymore. No, no, that that is the thing, right? That is the thing. <laughs> I just excuses are I don't have time. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But really, uh, really, uh, Julian, really thank you for this uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Learned a lot of new things. Uh, yes, we we digressed a bit in some technical areas, but I I really love that. And uh, we need to do a follow up because I've I've still I've wrote down a couple of things. I still have a lot of, a lot of questions. But at least I now I I understand how to actually recognize a cat with a quantum computer. So that is a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, very thank you very much. And um, that's that's it. Any other things from your side? No other things. Thank you. Let's close it off. All right. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Bye.